Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John O'Leary is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends. I am John O'Leary, and so happy to join you here today on the Live Inspired Movement. On every Live Inspired podcast episode, I have amazing guests join me to share their life story, their successes, their failures, their lessons, their life. You will absolutely hear profound and unforgettably inspiring stories, but more importantly, you will take away real ideas to apply in your own life. My goal is to have guests on that will inspire you to choose to wake up from accidental living so that you can do, you can be, you can achieve, you can impact even more through your life. Or perhaps more simply said, so that you can live inspired. Today's guest will absolutely live into this expectation for these podcasts. This guest is a best-selling author. He's a fellow podcaster. He's a dear friend. He has helped influence more than 250 million lives around the country and around the world through his work, part of the Ziegler family. He's a speaker. He's a thought leader. He's an awesome guy. He's a phenomenal guest. You're going to love Tom Ziegler. Tom Ziegler is the son of someone you absolutely would have heard of at some point in your past, a gentleman named Zig Ziegler. Ziegler had a great quote. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today is a brand new day, and it's yours. You can help. You can achieve anything you want in life, anything you want, if you just help enough other people get what they want. My friends, this was lived out through the original Ziegler's life. It's also modeled through Tom's life. You're going to hear his heart for others on this episode. You're going to hear his interest in really listening to people so that he can really understand what their problems are before he can begin helping them solve that problem. You're going to hear a guy who shares about this idea of building the best version of you. He's going to talk a little bit about goal setting. He's going to focus you and me and us, the Live Inspired Movement, on building the best you and becoming truly significant by first encouraging others to become truly significant in their own walk. It's a great episode. We cover a whole wide gambit of topics and issues and challenges and opportunities. I think you're going to fall in love with Tom, but in doing that, I think you're going to fall in love again in your own story, with your own experiences, with your own possibility, and with your own life. My friends, you're going to love this episode. I'm excited to share it with you today. So let me step out of the way. Let me bring in my friend, Tom Ziegler. You ready for it? I know. Get ready, baby. Turn the music up in your car, poolside, wherever you're tuning in right now. Here we go. We're going to dive right into the episode featuring Tom Ziegler. Tom Ziegler, best-selling author, fellow podcaster, and my good friend. Welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. It is good to be here. Thank you so much for having me on, John. Well, man, it is our honor, and I, I imagine most of our listeners already know you. They know your work. They know your family. They know your legacy. But for those who may not, tell us a little bit about what you're up to today and, and uh, a little bit about your family life. 
All right. Well, I'm I'm blessed. I'm the president of Ziegler Inc. and it's the company that my father Zig Ziegler started. Uh, we've been in business for over 40 years. Uh, I get to travel and speak and you know reach people in so many different ways. We got a pretty active Facebook page with about 4.3 million fans. <laughs> well, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. So without me, you're only at 4.299999. So um, you, I, you owe me a lot, dude. I know, and uh, it just proves that people need hope and encouragement now more than ever, and that my dad's cornerstone philosophy: if you can have everything in life you want, if you'll just help enough other people get what they want, uh, it just rings true. I mean, that's that's where we are in the world it's a you know it's it seems like it's hard and dangerous out there and there's bad news floating around uh, and we can either let it get to us or we can make a decision a choice to go ahead and have a great day anyway to succeed anyway to make a difference in the lives anyway and that's the business that we're in and it, it's the best business in the world to be in so tom you you today are an author trainer coach speaker and president of ziggler inc your father is the legendary Zig Ziglar, and I would imagine everyone has heard of Zig Ziglar. He, he had profoundly impacted my life and many, many, many hundreds of thousands of other lives. But you grew up with him. You weren't reading his books. You were seeing it in action. So I'd like you to take us all the way back to uh, when little Tom is coming into his own. What's it like to grow up in the Ziglar household? <laughs> Well, you know, I'm extremely blessed. People ask that question. Of course, I don't know any other way. Uh, but, you know, I, I say this, as good as Dad was on stage, he was even better off stage. Uh, one of my friends said, you know, your dad walks his talk, mm. and and he's a pretty good talker. <laughs> and uh, and that's true. You know, around the family, he was, you know, uh, a great dad, an amazing husband, very quiet at home, uh, you know, always encouraging, always wanted the best for us. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, we lost dad almost 40 years ago. And at the same time, he's still with us. You know, he's got hundreds of hours of audio recordings. His quotes are everywhere. If you hang out on social media at all, you'll see a zig quote if you're long enough. Uh, if you ever go to a public event where people speak, you'll hear him quoted. Uh, we estimate that he impacted 250 million people in his life. Mm. And when I travel, and I just got back from Europe and I'm headed over to uh, Asia, everywhere I go, it's like I'm surrounded by family because yes. they've already read or listened to or been exposed to Dad's message. And I can't think of a greater blessing than anyone can have than, than what I've had. For those who have not read through or listened through the cassette tapes, the CDs, the the episodes with Zig, you, you keep referencing his talk and his walk and his message. What do you most remember about your dad? And uh, what do you rem- remember most about his messaging, not only on stage, but even more so off stage? Well, first off, he was so humble. Um, he He really, really struggled in his early life. He you know, he used to tell the story that uh, of his life growing up. He was born in L.A., Lower Alabama, <laughs> right. and then they moved to Yazoo City, Mississippi, when he was when he was I think about three and a half or four years old. And then right after that, when he was five, his father died. So he was the tenth of twelve kids, 
raised by a single mom with a fifth-grade education in the heart of the Great Depression in one of the poorest states and one of the poorest cities in that state, mm. you know, really, just, really just a small town. Uh, but Dad said it wasn't all bad. He didn't have to start work until he was six years old. <laughs> and he was he was selling peanuts on the corner, and then he went to work at a grocery store when he was nine. I mean, that's just the way it was. And then he said, you know, he was in the part of the class that made the top half possible. Uh, he didn't do well in school. Right. And he got out got out of school, went to the military, got out, uh, did a little college. He kept his string alive. He was in the part of the class that, you know, that made the top half possible. Right. Got into sales, didn't do well in sales. Uh, for two and a half years, he didn't sell anything. Well, he did. He sold his car. He sold his furniture. And then a man spoke to his wife named T.C. Merrill and said, Zig, in all my life, I've never seen such a waste. Mm. But, but if you believed in yourself and went to work on a regular schedule, you could be a champion. And that was the day that his life changed for uh, the personal development and the success. And uh, into that year, he ended up number two out of 7,000 salespeople. The previous two and a half years, he'd never been in the top 5,000. And that's really what set him on fire. So his humility comes from, man, he didn't have any success early on. And people look at his life and they go, man, I could never be Zig Ziglar. Right. Look at all he, look at all he did. And then then they hear his story and they're like, well, if Zig can, maybe I can. And uh, a friend of mine said, yeah, that's true. If Zig can, you can, as long as you do what Zig did. Yes. <laughs> well, and. <laughs> Even in preparing for this interview, Tom, I, I reread, and I've read it before, but a book called Born to Win, and I, I know you were a part of writing that book with Zig, your dad. But I, I was reminded that Zig did not really even begin speaking until almost 45. He, he right. kind of puttered in and out of it a little bit, but the, maybe the greatest motivational speaker of all time did not even begin until he was age 45. I know. And in, in his life, what he was doing before that is he was in direct sales and he was leading organizations. So he he had a chance through his sales presentations and his internal training to kind of hone his craft. Yeah, but he it was in his uh, 30s, I think, in late 30s before he ever got a fee hmm. and in his 40s before he even got close to taking off. So, right. you know, people talk about how the, you know, the overnight success story, but dad used to tell people he gave 3,000 talks before he ever got paid for one. Right. I feel so. his pain. Uh, give, me, give, me an, give me an example of his, of his love and his guidance at a time when you maybe needed that as a kid. What, what, what's a time when you were a little guy, whether you were six or you were 16, and you needed a Zig-like mentor and he showed up right on time? Oh, he always did. Uh, I can remember... I was looking for my first job, so I was probably 15, maybe 16. And when I mean first job, I mean one with a real paycheck and everything, not just, you know, mowing the neighbor's yard right. or something like that. And I said, Dad, what do I say? I don't have any experience. And he said, yes, you do. And I said, what? He said, well, you've got 16 years of hustle and honesty and integrity and character and discipline and hard work. And he just went down the list, and it's like he always knew exactly the right thing to say at that right moment. Uh, a little later on, I had an especially 
a tough time on a job I was on, and the leader had been unfair to me. And I told Dad about it, and he said, Well, son, the only taste of success some people have is when they take a bite out of you. <laughs> That's well said. <laughs> so I could always go to him uh, when I had a need or wanted some encouragement, whether it was a relationship issue or a, a life issue or, you know, whatever. He was always there. And uh, he was not an island. He, I know, surrounded himself with great people, including a great spouse, your mom. Tell me about the redhead. Well, Dad, you know, her name is Jean, and Dad called her the redhead. He also he also named her the happy hugger, <laughs> uh, based on the idea that if it was moving, she'd stop it and hug it, and if it wasn't moving, she'd dust it off and sell it. So Mom is dynamite. She is uh, doing great. She lives about five minutes from us. She's in an independent living, uh, senior living community. So... She's, she's fantastic. Uh, you know, one of the lessons I learned growing up is mom was clearly dad's number one account. Mm-hmm. He opened the door for her. He uh, called her constantly. Uh, she was always first place. And that gave our, you know, me and my sisters such confidence that we never had to worry about our parents' relationship. So, you know, that's... There's there's not a value you can put on that. No, and, and, you know, I think a lot of us brag on our spouses and mean it. But when you hear Zig talking or writing about his girlfriend and the way they felt toward one another, it's not surprising to hear from their son <laughs> that she was the first account. She was the most important thing in, in his life relationally. Yep. He always said, if she, if she leaves me, I'm going with her. So. <laughs> <laughs> and he meant it, too. Tom, I've always wondered what it's like to grow up in a family that is extraordinarily successful, and in particular when one of the one of the individuals, your dad in this case, is the brightest light in town. I mean, he personally has influenced 250 million people around the world, and he's my dad. What's that like? What's that like for you as a son trying to step out at some point of that shadow? Well, that's that's a that's an interesting question because when you think of it, a lot of times people think of it in the context of celebrity, and so I'm you know I have never envied the sons and daughters of movie stars or politicians or things like that because I've watched it. I've been right. at places where they sit and you know they're eating and people just constantly interrupt and they want the autograph and they want the picture. And with that, it was it was like this. It was like totally different. Uh, it was it never felt like an interruption because people would come up. They would be very very courteous, you know. They would wait until the end of the meal or whatever, and then they would come over and they would say, "I just wanted to say thank you." And then they would tell how he and his message had changed their life. And you just that just never you can never get tired of that. I mean. I think one of the truths that we all have is that if we can make a difference in somebody's life and it's, you know, and they tell us and they, they, they show us the change that that story never gets old. So even though, you know, we had people coming up to us when we were out or on trips or whatever, it never felt like an imposition. It never felt out of place. 
uh, because people, they were just so genuine. They mm-hmm. they were so sincere. And so I can't relate to uh, the people who grew up in the shadow, and it was all kind of a negative shadow. Our mm-hmm. shadow was so positive. That's well said. I, I appreciate that. And you you don't know this, but any time I speak live, I quote your dad two times. And the second time I quote him is I, I remind people that Zig used to say that motivation lasts about as long as your most recent shower. So <laughs> I, I think it's an awesome and a true quote. Uh, he, he, he fed us with truths like this. You were his son, but eventually you, you want to flap away, I would imagine, from the nest a little bit and figure out what you want to do in your life. A- after you graduate school and you get your first job, what, what are you doing professionally? <laughs> Well, in college, uh, I played college golf, and my goal, my dream was to be a professional golfer on the PGA Tour. That's what I wanted to do. So I got married, I graduated, and I'm traveling, playing in tournaments all over. And then I figure out that those guys out there are really good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was good. And, and uh, I had a great instructor, Hank Haney, and I tell, you know, he's the one who worked with Tiger Woods, and I, and I tell people that uh, I taught Haney everything he needed to know in order to work with people like Tiger later on. <laughs> of, course, of course, I'm joking when I say that. But uh, at the same time, I started working at the company uh, really to feed my golf habit, and I was working in the warehouse and then in production, and then I moved into sales, and I just fell in love with sales. Uh, there's nothing better than uh, listening to somebody who's got a challenge and then helping them overcome their problem. I mean, the salespeople, we get to solve problems, and that's mm-hmm. about as good as it gets. You know, when we can, when we can make somebody's life better uh, by helping them overcome a challenge, that is as good as it gets. So that's, I got injured, uh, not seriously or anything, but just enough to know that that was going to be a battle playing golf. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I fell in love with sales at the same time. So I moved in to the company in sales, and and I was really shocked that I'd spent so many years thinking about golf, and then all of a sudden now I'm working in the company full-time, and I never looked back. I loved it. When most people hear sales, the very first thing they think of is a used car lot and a fast talker. And yet you began, Tom, your your share of your passion around sales with the very first thing you said about it was you get to listen and help people solve their problems. I, I think if that is true in sales, it's true in every single aspect of every single relationship. Yeah. Let me tell you about my first sale. I get I get trained for a week at the company. We're you know, and and I should know this stuff because I was raised on it, but then we still went through the week of training. The first call that I get, so I'm nervous. I'm going to talk to a stranger. I'm 24 years old. My first sales call comes in, and this old man is on the phone. I think he's old. I, he must have been in his 60s. Now, <laughs> that's not. That's young to me. Right. And I answer the phone, and he says, "Well, great, Tom. I need your help." He goes, "My, my, my son-in-law and daughter, they're having a struggle right now. They're." They're married. They have three kids under five. My son-in-law is a dentist. They just bought a dental practice, and they're under all this financial stress. She's a stay-at-home mom. they got three kids. He's got all this debt. 
what do you what do you guys have that could help them in their personal life and in their marriage? So that's the first question I get. And so I start to answer it. I start to go into it. And about 10 seconds into it, he stops me. And he says, Tom, here's my American Express card. And he gave me his number. He said, just send them whatever they need. Is it okay if we pray? <laughs> that's my that's my first sale. Hopefully they were all that easy going forward, but somehow I doubt uh, everyone had the Amex ready to roll. <laughs> and so here's my point. Did I make that sale? No. What made that sale? Dad's reputation made that sale. Hmm. And at the end of the day, that's the business that we're in. We're in the business of building a reputation of integrity. And then I had this huge moral responsibility at that point. I had to pick for them exactly the right product. Right. 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 It couldn't be too much, but it certainly couldn't be not quite enough. You know, I had to find that sweet spot. Do you remember which one you sent? Well, let's see. That would have been 27 years ago. And I'm pretty sure that I sent them an early version of the program that we have right now called How to Stay Motivated. Mm-hmm. And then I think we had just come out with Courtship After Marriage. Um and raising positive kids. So that's I'm sure that's what I sent them if that was the product that we had. Then I'd have to look at the dates to confirm, but, but yeah, that's what I would. And you know what's interesting? If I got that same call today, guess what I would send them? Right. How to stay same motivated. <laughs> yes. Well, raising it, positive kids and courtship after marriage. People keep rebranding and rebuzzwording things, but the reality is truth doesn't go out of style, and there's not a whole lot new in the world that wasn't there several thousand years ago. It's just uh, we forget what we once knew to be true. Absolutely. To keep keep guiding us through, because I know uh, eventually you're going to become president of, of Ziegler, Inc., but it's not, uh, it's not an overnight success. What were some of, some of your other job responsibilities within the company? Well, let's see. I moved in uh, sales and did sales, and I became a sales manager. And then I started running kind of our uh, seminar business where we did uh, large events around the country. So I kind of played the promoter role where I would go out and put together the venue and sell, you know, a thousand tickets, and Dad would speak and others on our team would speak. And that's a that's an interesting business model because. You have to have five wins to equal a loss. And when you lose, you lose big in that business. So I, I admire and respect people who can do that well. Mm-hmm. Then I moved into sales management, uh, VP of sales, and then became the president at the ripe old age of 30. So that was my trajectory. Uh, so I've been the president and CEO now for 21 years. And Tom, I'm I'm curious, when you became president at 30, and there are probably some people with a bit more gray hair than you in the firm, was there, were there some awkward moments where people thought you had this job solely because your last name started with a Z? Oh, yeah. Most of them felt that way. And I'm <laughs> and sure. <they> right. <laughs> so how do you go home with that, with the stress, anxiety, pressures of building a team? of having your name on the front door, of having your dad on the road speaking, and you're guiding the strategy and the team through these difficult moments. Yeah. Well, the bad news, good news, is the bad news is, is we were in a, uh, what I 
took over. Uh, it was sooner than we all wanted, but it was out of necessity because uh, we had to make some changes. And the company was in a little bit of financial stress, so I was able to get some very wise counsel, some mentors uh, that that helped guide me through the financial challenges. And you know, we made some decisions, and uh, we did well. We turned the company very quickly to a you know a much more profitable and stable position. Uh, and that always gets fans when you do that. People, mm-hmm. Generally, people like to keep their job if they like their job and. When you have money to pay people with, that makes it even better. That's right. So that that helped. Uh, but I was still young and not always making the best decisions. So there was more learning to come. Well, so why don't we step right into it? I, I understand that you your your track record is not perfect, and none of ours is. Share with us a time when maybe you uh, you made some poor decisions, and what happened with the team, and and what you learned from it, what you did afterwards. Well, when I uh, had been there for in the president's role for three years, so now I'm the ripe old age of 33, I went to Dad and I said, hey, I've got an idea. I think we need to start a sister company, and it would be using a different business model, more of a direct sales uh, network marketing model. And, he, and I knew that Dad had always wanted to do that, but had never had the time to do it. And so, of course, he liked it. And so I went on this uh, research campaign to see what would we have to do. I brought in a bunch of consultants, spent a lot of money. And then in about a year, we launched this new company. And of all the consultants that we talked to, I would say uh, probably seven or eight consultants that we talked to, Six out of the seven said, man, this is a home run. Your only challenge is going to be keeping up with the growth. You better make sure you have plenty of inventory, plenty of resources, you know, uh, enough space to grow into, uh, full staff, you know, all that stuff. And so when all your consultants who you've paid a lot of money all tell you the same thing, you start to believe them. Mm -hmm. And so we invested a lot of money back then. You know, we, we we created custom software to run our new company on. And you you, you know how much the custom software is. Right. It's, it's, it's whatever you have in the bank plus more. <laughs> right. We did all that. We launched. It got off to a great start. The first month was unbelievable. And then it just, it just didn't go. And less than a year later, we shut it down mm. with $2.5 million in debt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went home for the next year and a half thinking, oh, my gosh, Dad spent his whole life building his reputation. And literally overnight, I've ruined it. And not once did Dad ever look at me and say, what have you done? And the whole time, he just kind of shrugged it all off and said, don't worry, this is going to work out. And wouldn't you know it, he was right. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were able to pay off all of that. I mean, it was a hard time. Uh, But... You know, the people that you want to associate with, the yes. ones that you want to do life with, it seems like they all got a story like that. Either yes. they call it the circumstance or they were uh, just a victim of a circumstance. But either way, they had this enormous challenge to overcome, and it changes you, you know, and it, and it makes you realize that as bad as it is right now, <laughs> this is nothing. <laughs> how, how did this 
uh, near complete failure change you for the better? Oh, uh, you have to dig in. And, you know, I learned a couple of lessons. One of them is one of my mentors said, I call him up, you know, at the end of the day, and he says, well, did you do everything you could? And I said, yeah. He goes, you need to sleep good tonight. That's all you can do. So I kind of learned that principle. Is, and Dad would always say, don't worry about what you can do. Just focus on what you can do. Mm-hmm. And so I learned that. Uh, I learned that um, if we if we follow that process and don't get ahead of ourselves, the things that we think that are bad are going to happen. They just don't come to pass. You know, some of it never happens. Some of it gets morphed into something else. And then finally, faith is amazing. God had his hand on our company. There's no other way for me to look back at that without knowing uh, that God said, hey, you guys, you got yourself in this mess. I'm going to make you work, but don't worry. We had too many miracles happen uh, that there's no other explanation then, you know, God's hand was in our business. And that is, that's an amazing thing because you can always, no matter what circumstance you're in, you can always look back to that and realize that you're you're not in it alone. That's a, a freeing uh, gift to know that, whether it's your business, your relationships, your health, your life, to know that you're not in this thing alone. And, and you... Brother Tom, you wake people up to the possibility of their life. I know you write and speak a lot about this like this concept around being a zombie. Tell me what being a zombie means, whether that means individually or organizationally. What does that zombie affect? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I, I start off a lot of my speeches with, you know, there's a problem going around. It's costing the United States trillions of dollars every year. In fact, it's a worldwide epidemic. You know, the business world is cratering because of it. Does anybody want to guess what it is? I mean, they've made movies about it, TV shows, books, and, of course, nobody guesses. And then they say, well, it's zombies. They're everywhere. Everybody laughs, and I say, you know what a zombie is, the person who shows up at work barely on time, and they do the minimal amount of work, and when they are asked their opinion, they don't say anything. They never volunteer. They leave you know, maybe a few minutes early, they're always texting and doing social media. And basically, they're just wandering through life. That's a zombie. Now, Mm -hmm. the academic word is called disengage. (laughs) And the Gallup poll study, you know, anywhere from 68 to 71%, depending on the year, are what's known as disengaged. That means that if if your company has 10 people in it, Imagine a 10-seater bike, and you got 10 people on the bike, but only three of them are pedaling. That's how bad it is. And I and I pedal around with my kids, and they never, ever pedal when they are behind me, so I can appreciate what it's like to have one uh, corpse that I'm carrying around. I can't imagine having right. seven. And, and just to make sure that the listeners tuning in realize this, Tom's talking about business. But but make no mistake about it. The, the zombie effect, this disease, is in marriages, it's in communities, it's in churches and synagogues. It's chronic. So I just want to make sure it's not just a corporate issue we face. It's uh, a chronic relationship life issue that we face. And there's a cure for it. That's the good news. Yep. And here's the cure. You know, if you ask yourself the question, now just, pick, just picture a cartoon zombie, you know, with that zoned out look. Uh why don't zombies care? And it's 
it's real simple. They have no dreams. You know, they've got a brain infection that's ripped the dreams out of them. And so the people in in business or in life, whether they're retired or fully, you know, involved in a company or they own their own business, when you have dreams, then you realize that what you do every day is helping you achieve your dream faster. The average worker who's a zombie has no connection between their paycheck and their dream. But here's the reality. Dreams uh, cost time and money. I mean, if you've got a big dream, let's say you want to get out of debt, you want to buy mm-hmm. a house, you want to travel the world, you want to start your own business, you want to fund a nonprofit, all of those things take time and money. So the better you do in your job, what happens when you do better? Well, you get a raise, you get more commission, you get a promotion, or you get hired away from that company if they don't recognize it. When those things happen, that means you're getting to your dream faster. Tom, how do you help people discern what their dream is? I, I think we live in such a beat-down time period, actually, right now, with so much energy just spent being busy on stuff that many individuals and businesses don't spend any time really dreaming. So how, what would, might you encourage our listeners right now to to do if if they don't even know what their dreams are? Yeah, and and uh, this is what I teach leaders is that, you know, if you want to get rid of the zombies in your business, you've got to show them that you care about your people personally. You know, you care about them. And so let's just, we'll just do a little example. Let's say you're running a company and you got a support person on your team. You manage them. They report to you directly. It's kind of an awkward situation to go up to them and say, hey, what's your, will you share your dream with me? Right. <laughs> right. And so you, you might have to start slow. You might have to say, uh, hey, you know, what's your goal? I mean, do you have any goals that you'd like to accomplish? It doesn't have to be a big goal. What would you like to have happen? And that's where they start coming up. Oh, I want a new car. Or, you know, I've always wanted to go uh, to Cancun for three days. And then you say, well, why don't we make that happen? Well, what do you mean? Well, why don't we set a goal for you to go? What would it take for you to go to Cancun? Well, I don't know. And that's where you start, as a leader, you start coaching them on goal setting and, you know, writing it down. And then a lot of times uh, they just they don't know how to go because they don't know how to set goals. Mm-hmm. A, a kid who wants to get out of debt, you ask them, hey, what's your budget? And they say, well, what's a budget? Well, then you introduce them to Dave Ramsey or somebody like that, and you teach them how to do a budget. So this is what happens in that relationship, is now they look at you and they think, wow, they want me to get my dream, my goal. It changes the nature of the relationship. When I know that you want me to achieve my goals and dreams, right? everything changes. And so then there's the second question, which is, well, I don't have any dreams. Well, that's when you've got to dig deep and you can ask them some questions. You know, well, really, you don't have any. If, if, if time or money wasn't an object, what would you be doing right now? I mean, if you had the perfect life and you, you try to get them out of their, their day-to-day ho-hum and start thinking about what it could be. Uh, a lot of times we talk about our purpose. You know, what's our purpose in life or what am I passionate about? And, and people, for whatever reason, are hesitant to claim their purpose. I mean, what if I'm wrong? Right. You know, Same with dreams, you know, by the way. I think people are hesitant to claim their dreams. 
And so I, I back up and I say, you know what, let's forget about your purpose. What are you passionate about? You know, what makes your heart sing? I, I read that uh, in several different places. That's a great line. If what, what makes you come alive when you're doing it? Well, then I follow up and I say, well, who put that passion in you? I mean, don't you think the creator put that in you? And then that gives them permission. Wait a second. Well, maybe the, maybe God did put that in me. Well, then wouldn't he want you to go for it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, maybe it is okay to go for it. And then you start working with them on that process of understanding their why, their goal, their dream, and putting together some plans. But a lot of times people got to gotta set small ones first to get that confidence, and that's okay. But at the end of the day, uh, it's more fun to work for a dream than a paycheck. Hmm. And that's what I learned from Dad, is he never had to set his electronic uh, rooster in the morning, his opportunity clock. Right. It, it, he just woke up because he was going for a dream. And you know what his dream was? Tell me. To help other people get their dreams. You know, I heard a quote about that one time. I can't remember <laughs> who said it. Uh, and you know what's amazing about the quote, you can achieve anything you want if you just help enough other people get what they want, is how many people have used that quote and kind of put their own name behind it now and, and kind of claimed it as theirs. And I have a feeling Zig, looking down, could really care less. I, I think his goal was always to spread the good news and not to hoard it. He was uh, full of quite a bit of abundance. Absolutely. One of our uh, one of our good friends who we work with, uh, Howard Partridge, uh, he's one of our He's our exclusive small business coach, but he was with dad and he said, he said, Mr. Ziegler, he said, you know, your quote, you can have everything in life you want to, if you just help enough other people get what they want. And, he, and dad said, yeah, he said, well, you know, I was reading the new Testament. I, I think, you know, I, I think you're just kind of quoting Jesus. And, and dad looked at him and said, that's okay. I know him personally. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They walked side by side, and there, there was evidence of that throughout his, uh, your dad's and your entire life. For those who are on the journey, are on the walk, or trying to figure out what their purpose, their passion, their goals, their dreams might be, what would you say is the best resource for them to lean into? We could give them one book, one site, one place where they can they can tiptoe into it and see what it what that what that might look like for them, Tom. Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to give you three uh, kind of options here. Uh, the book was the, the last book that Dad wrote called Born to Win. I mean, it's just a great place to start. So if you're a reader, that is a fantastic book. And it talks about the quote, if you were born to win, but in order to be the winner you were born to be, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and then and only then can you expect to win. So the next the next thing that, I, that I've created is a, is a webinar uh, interactive live coaching and training program uh, that I teach every Monday. It's called Live to Win. And what it is is Live to Win, Seven Weeks to Balance Success. And it's based on the termite philosophy. Have you ever heard the termite philosophy? Tell me. So Dad had this quote. He said, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes get all the publicity, but termites do more damage. hmm and so termites take such little bitty bites. And so I was speaking last year, and this guy asked me a question. And he said, what's the fastest way to success? And I never, I, you know, in all my years, I never heard that question. I think that's like my maybe the perfect question. Nobody wants the slow way. You know, they all want the fastest way. 
And so I just blurted out, the fastest way to success is to replace bad habits with good habits. And that birthed a program called Live to Win, where every week, that's all we do, is we take one little bitty bad habit that you might have, and we'll replace it with one little bitty good habit. That's awesome. And you do it every week. And in 52 weeks, you'll get rid of 52 bad habits, and you'll replace them with 52 good habits, and your life will be totally changed. Just to give you an example, I set a goal to put in a new habit. And, man, I don't know about you, but I can sit in front of my computer on the couch for like eight hours without moving. (laughs) Man, it takes a lot of bold vulnerability to share that on a podcast. And uh, I'll respond that me too. I I can absolutely spend eight hours if I'm not careful on the couch. So uh, go on with your point. And so I know that that's not healthy. You know, everything about a healthy life means you got to sleep, you got to eat, and you got to move. And so I set a goal to do five sets of push ups every day. And I do it about every hour and a half or so. Um, and, I, and that just gets me off the couch. Well, I, I started that about six weeks ago. And my friend was holding me accountable, and he said, Well, you need to, you need to keep track. And in a little over six weeks, I've done almost 6,000 push-ups. <laughs> and, I, and I can't, I don't know where it came from because I, I started off with five sets of 10 push-ups. And now I'm up to eight sets of 25 push-ups. And it takes less than a minute each time I do it. And it's, it's changing, you know, the way my body looks and the way I feel and everything. I mean, it's just... Little things. It's just the little tiny things that we do. If somebody had said, you got to do 6,000 push-ups the next six weeks, I'd have said, you're crazy, man. <laughs> no way. But when you just add a little bit incrementally and, you know, a little bit each week, it, it really does. And you can do that in every area of your life, your, your spiritual side, your mental, your family, your financial, your personal, your career. It doesn't matter which spoke of the wheel. So that's what Live to Win is, is we go through all of those. And then the last one is what I call our, our legacy, our Ziegler Legacy Certification. And that's for people who want to impact others, to help others be, do, and have more than they thought possible. So we certify them to teach our courses. So those are the three programs that, you know, it's kind of small, medium, and large. I guess it's the Goldilocks. Well, it's, right? it's awesome. Yeah. The porridge and the chairs fit just right. And I've been following you, Tom, and your dad as long as I've been in this business, and I can't imagine three better steps and three better uh, porridges to eat and chairs to sit in than these three. So I'll I'll repeat them here again, but I want to remind everybody that the direct links are going to be in the show notes. So they'll they'll, they'll certainly click around there and learn a lot more. But Born to Win, Live to Win, and then the Ziegler Certified Program, which is awesome. So I'd like to take us from the more – the interview where we become a little bit more playful and I take you through what we call the live inspired seven, Tom. Okay. You got it. You ready? So this is seven rapid fire questions that I ask all of our guests, guys like Ramsey and Buck and hands-free mom and everybody else. They, They are also challenged with these questions. So I'm excited to have you part of this. Now, the first question is what's the best book you ever read? I don't know which one of the Lord of the Rings, but it has to be one of those. So Lord of the, we'll just say the whole series, man. Lord yeah, of the Rings, baby. Return of the King, The Hobbit, or you know any of those. Uh, tomorrow, Tom, your 
wealthy uncle dies surprisingly, shockingly, at age 103, leaving you with millions, what would you do first? Oh, let me think. Uh, Golly, what would I do first? I would probably uh, just thank God for somebody who who lived a great life. (laughs) (laughs) And thought you worthy of receiving, apparently, the the fruits of their labor. (laughs) Yes. So uh, we begin with gratitude when the million bucks shows up in the in the mailbox. How about this one? If your house catches fire and all living things, that means people and animals, all living things are already out there safe, and you have an opportunity to run in and grab one thing, the most important thing still in there, what would you, what would you run in for? Oh, probably Dad's Bible. Tell me about it. Well, he underlined it. And, uh, in fact, I have a lot of his underlined books. And that's just priceless. Awesome. If you could sit on a bench overlooking a a beach and have a long conversation on a gorgeous day with anybody, living or dead, who would you want to sit on that bench with? Oh, that would be Dad. Awesome. Even with all the bench conversations and boardroom conversations and flight conversations, you still wish you had one more. Yep. Anything you wish you would have asked him and you never got around to it? Oh, you know, that's that's something that I don't have any uh, regrets on or wishes on. Awesome. What's the best advice, Tom, that you ever received? Hmm. I think it's I think it's Dad's uh, quote. Hmm. Remind uh, us again, what, just so we hear it loud and clear. This is this is this is my quote that I love from Dad. You are what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind, and you can change what you are and where you are by changing what goes into your mind. Mm. Awesome. Thank you, Ziegler boys, for that one. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? (laughs) There's a lot of tempting, flippant answers. (laughs) (laughs) Don't start that business. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You're not where you are with what you have without that business. So uh, I don't think you would tell your 20-year-old self that. What what would would you tell yourself? Yeah, it might be a, a, a Dave Ramsey you know, pay cash for everything. It might right. be something like that. Uh, and I mean it seriously. I've, I've had to work on myself uh, because success, money to me is not a reflection of success. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, but there needs to be a healthy understanding of, you know, money, like Dad used to say, uh, I've, had, I've had problems when I've had money and I've had problems when I haven't had money. And overall, if you're going to have problems, it's better to have money. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Uh, so to have a better financial gyroscope, uh, because a lot of times, you know, if you're not money-driven, uh, money is a scorekeeper, and you do things that don't really pay off. And the world's telling you it's not because people don't see value in it. So I'd, I'd probably get more financially in tune early on. 
perfect. And thank you for the honesty there. And here's your final question, brother. You, you made it through six. Here comes seven. It's been said that all great people, all great leaders can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you want your one sentence to read, Tom Ziegler? He lived pure and simple by putting the right things into his mind. Mm. Tom Ziegler, you are uh, not only an amazing son and an amazing leader, but you yourself are an amazing speaker, writer, and coach, and we were fortunate to have you on Live Inspire today. Thank you so much, John. It was, a, it was an honor and a privilege. Tom, I know you, you believe that in becoming significant, you uh, have the honor of encouraging others to become significant, and you've done that today. You do it in everything you write and everything you say, and I appreciate this time joining us here. So, my friends, for this time and until next time, this is Live Inspired with John O'Leary, and this is your day. Live Inspired. Well, all right, my friends, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Live Inspired Podcast. I love Tom's heart. I love his family. I love the impact that they've had around the United States and around the world. He is worth checking out online. You'll want to learn more about what his focus, what his work is really all about. You can learn everything you want to learn about Tom and follow through on the show notes on our website. The website is John O'Leary inspires.com. Again, John O'Leary inspires.com. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you, please take a few seconds right now, right now, to rate, to review this episode, this show on iTunes or wherever you're grabbing your podcast from. This is an awesome way to help really get the word out about what we're doing here on the Live Inspired Podcast. My friends, we are helping individuals wake up from accidental living so that they can lead inspired lives. I think in the marketplace and in the fearful media-focused effort that we battle up against each day, what better time to share the good news that we bring through the Live Inspired podcast? I'm glad you're tuning in, but I'm asking for your help in sharing this with your neighbors people you work with, and maybe your online community, share this news, share this podcast, rate these episodes. Let's continue to expand the Live Inspired movement. We have climbed the charts. We are touching lives, but our goal is to touch even more. And I appreciate, I totally appreciate your help in doing exactly that. So send your friends to johnolearyinspires.com or link them directly into the place where you grab your podcast right now. My friends, if you have enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you, I am delighted. I can't wait to see you next week. These shows are going to continue to come back into your life to bring you individuals who lead inspired lives so that we, you and I, can wake up from accidental living and more fully live our stories. So for this time and until next time, this is John O'Leary and this is your day. Live Inspired.